Welcome, you're listening to A Certain Degree. My name is Nick, I'm your host. I'm very happy to be here, and I'm very happy you're listening, or else this wouldn't be happening. This is a weekly radio show on WPRK featuring makers, artists, and professionals who are doing something neat. Every week I get to talk to really incredible people. This week is no exception, but if you are an incredible person, let me know. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Let me know what your story is. And maybe, just maybe, you too can be a guest on to a certain degree. Actually, you probably really could because there's everybody's been a guest so far. And I really don't say no to people because I like talking to people. And now, on with the show. Leah and the Daymakers on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to A Certain Degree. Good morning. My name is Nick, and I do this every week, and every week I have a very special guest. This week is no exception. Victoria Walsh is here. Good morning, Victoria. Good morning. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for being here, waking up early, being dedicated and coming out and talking to me, which is a big sacrifice for some people. I mean, I didn't get out of my pajamas. I'm still wearing my pajama pants. I think this is this is an all pajama party this morning. So I'm glad we're all here today. Victoria Walsh, aka Macrame Mama. Yes, Macrame Mama. And so MacrameMama.com, M O M M A. Just making sure that that's out there. And on Instagram, on Facebook, you've got a bunch of classes and things coming up. So I met you at an event you were we were both doing actually. It was the Milk District Market. It was. Yeah. You had a booth. I had a booth. We had booths. We had booths. We had friends. Yeah, it's hard to see. We had booths. introductions. That it's. Yeah, I'm glad I met you, Me but too. I don't know you. I don't know you. Okay, great. So we're going to get to know you at the very least a little bit better. So we're going to play a game right now. Okay. Twenty questions game. Okay. Are you ready for this? I think I'm ready. Okay. So what we're going to do is instead of saying yes or no or up or down, you're going to say let's not, or say we did. Okay. So okay. let's not. Obviously, uh, being a macrame aficionado an enthusiast of uh, tying things together. Uh, Let's not with a K, of course. And uh, say we did is not great. Like you want to do something. You don't want to just say that you did it. Although sometimes lying is fun. Uh, I'm not a liar. What? Are you just trying not to laugh? I am trying. Okay, that's great. All right, perfect. So we've got that down. So let's not or say we did. Ready? Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Summer camp. Let's not. Definitely. Yeah? Did you like summer camp? I loved summer camp. What kind of summer camp? What was your jam? Was it like sleepaway or was it some of the... You seem young enough that you had maybe access to some of the specialty summer camps that... Oh, yeah. You know, that I didn't have access to as a child. Oh, yeah. I didn't really take advantage of a lot of the specialty summer camps. Like, I didn't do coding or anything in the, the techie field, but I took a lot of art summer camps over at the Orlando Museum of Art. Mm-hmm. Um, I did go to the Science Center and build, like, Lego robots okay. for a while. And then the, took some theater summer camps, which I was not very good at, so I didn't take a lot of those. And then, of course, Girl Scout like sleepaway camps for horseback riding. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went back like every year for that. That was my favorite one. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, just kind of staying busy. And I just grew up outdoors. My family was always out either hunting or fishing or hiking or camping or doing something. So it seems like two weekends a month we were just out having our own little camp away. 
Wow. Yeah. All right. So you had summer camp all year long. Pretty much. Yeah. Oh, My dad great. made sure to keep me outside and mosquito bitten <laughs> for sure. We've got to keep her outside, guys. She can't stay in the house. No. Yeah. Okay. I could see that. <laughs> How do you feel? Let's not or say we did uh, about voicemail. I say we did. I, I still have voicemails that I haven't listened to. I don't know why, but voicemails give me like anxiety. Like I'd rather just text somebody or I feel bad that I missed their call and then a voicemail to me is very like important and immediate. I probably should listen to them. But Do you feel like with the voicemail, does it give you anxiety or the heebie-jeebies because it's this like uh, this voice at the end of the thing and it's not related to anybody and it might be a ghost? It's a little weird, yeah. Yeah, okay. You can't talk back to this voice. It's just a recording. Of right, it. it's somebody telling you what to do. Maybe yes. that's the issue that you're having. Yeah, you should tell me what to do. Is that you can't say no, yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. Stop telling me what to do, voicemail. Jerk. Uh, how do you feel about zombies? Mm, let's not or let's, say we did. You know, I would say let's not just because, you know, I think it's one of those you better be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. But I kind of want to say we did because it's terrifying to think that if they did happen. I don't really like the zombie movies either. I'm not a big gory yeah, blood person. But what if something like that did happen? You need to have a plan, like route it out where you're going to hide. What friends do you know that are... Who has the most secure house. Right. Who probably has the uh, cellar with the most booze. Right. Yeah. The highest wall, fenced walls, you know. Sure, sure. Tanks. I'm looking for the Orlando Library downtown. Because oh, that's I a feel good spot. like that is... I know it has a lot of windows and stuff, but once you get upstairs, nothing's getting up there. It's a good spot. Yeah. I might try to put myself in jail. Oh, that's a good idea. There's a lot of doors and locked cells and... Yep. Food in the cafeteria. That's important. I like that because after we're rebuilding, I think, you know, a lot of your macrame skills will come in very handy. I can make nets. We can catch fish. Um, I wasn't being sarcastic at all. (laughs) I was really thinking you have a useful skill for when we're trying to rebuild civilization. I have zero. I can juggle. I can do a radio show, which arguably I'm not sure, like, that's a little bit of a stretch sometimes. Um, nothing that will help after the apocalypse. You could spread the news on the radio about the There might updates. not be electricity. Well, <laughs> then you can entertain us with your juggling. Okay, good, good. I will be the, uh, the jester Perfect. of the uh, post-apocalyptic world. Great. <laughs> How do you feel about jerky? Oh, let's not. I love jerky. Yeah? We used to make our own jerky at home. I was curious about that once you said it was a uh, very camping ish world for you yes we grew up most of the time um hunting our own meats which gave me a new respect for meat and wildlife and hunting um and we tried not to waste any part of it and so we had a lot of fun trying to come up with all sorts of different spices and marinades and Mm. what meat would be the best versus the thickness and the cut of the meats and we didn't have a dehydrator so we would just leave the oven on and kind of like open open it up a little bit and just let it run for hours and hours and hours and the house smelled amazing. And then we had these wonderful jerky bits to take with us on our camping trip. Sure. And I recently got my dad a proper dehydrator last year for Christmas. And it's been awesome to see him make better jerky than I've ever had before. And well, kind of and just that's improving a, that's on a that. present for you too, right? It, like, it is totally. Cause yeah. you get some of that jerky. That's I would what imagine. the plan was. Yeah. It's working out. <laughs> if you're hearing this dad, I want some jerky. Yeah, we could all use a little more jerky. Did you have a favorite, like, spice and meat combo? 
I'm a big garlic person on anything, and I really like duck. It's a good meat. We don't get it a lot, and when you go out, it's sometimes this really scrawny, bony thing. Sure. And so we would have these larger duck with, like, beautiful um, breast meat for that, and we could make most amazing, tasty, thick, juicy jerky if that's a thing. Yeah. But, yeah, the duck flavor is great, and if you marinate it long enough, it's not very gamey at all so sure. we would use a lot of like Worcestershire and garlic and soy sauce and Mouth onions is and just literally watering right now thank you good. so much for that that is very cool all right how do you feel about you third generation Floridian yes Orlandoian Orlandoian okay so this is an even better question for you how do you feel about the beach I uh, let's not or say we did can I be in the middle? You know, I heard another episode. You're like, people like the idea of the beach. I like the idea of the beach. I don't like the sand and I don't like the jellyfish, the little mini jellyfish that have been coming sure. up. That intimidates me. When I was a kid, I loved the beach because it felt safe in the water. And now I just, I know, you know all too the much. things. Yeah. And it's just, it's too much. I love being at a pool next to the beach and then walking on the beach and collecting seashells sure. and then showering off and going back to the pool the pool with oh you're a good person that you shower off before you get back in the pool most of the time yeah 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 of course yeah people are watching people are listening (laughs) yes yes yeah it's true and i have a daughter who's one so now the sand is really not fun it just ends up in her eyes and we'll let her play a little bit or her mouth exactly it's not it's not as fun as it will be maybe in a couple of years. Do you think it would be helpful? So I'm just thinking from a tourism standpoint, uh, visit Florida, if they could create some sort of amnesia gun that makes people forget about how dangerous or how the perception of danger is there for the ocean. So you shoot it at people in the plains as they're coming into Florida. They forget for a little while that there's possibly like, things <laughs> that can attack them in the ocean. And then they go back and they're like, I had this great experience in the ocean. I, for some reason, I remember now that I'm afraid of it, but I had this great time. Oh, man, that's such a bad business idea. I like it. Okay, yeah. so I'm going to so let's save that for later. Okay. Uh, you have a one-year-old? I do. She's going to go to school eventually? Eventually, maybe. I'm, I might homeschool her. Okay, so let me ask you this. Do you feel like uh, cursive is something you're going to want her to learn and you're going to want to teach her? Absolutely. I've spent the last year and a half really trying to get a lot better at my cursive mm-hmm. and really clearing that up. My husband did not like it at the beginning because I'd write even our grocery list in cursive and he couldn't he couldn't read it. But now it's very legible. And I, I do think it's important. They did a lot of studies where if you write something down, you'll remember it um, a lot longer than just typing it or being on your phone. And I've definitely found that true. And with cursive, I feel more so than print and also it's just it's really lovely and pretty and I think it's a secret like passcode for all of adults like kids nowadays no kid knows how to write in cursive and we could write like secret letters to each other that's true cursive they'll they'll never know Uh, also it wouldn't be on their phones or tablets so they probably wouldn't care they think it's lame yeah 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 I like that so but why specifically so you feel like cursive is just something to help you like you're teaching yourself or you're relearning cursive right now, right? Relearning it, yes. So why was that something in your head? Were you going to start doing calligraphy or was there something else there that uh, that caused you to do that? I started bullet journaling. And oh, okay. Normally when I write, yeah. I write in all caps anyways, which is its own thing. And so I wanted something prettier, just a little bit more decorative. And then I really started noticing that I 
remembered things that I wrote in cursive. I can see them in my mind's eye better than I could anything else. And so I've just stuck with it and it's very fluid. And all of the women in my past generations, I have birthday cards and letters from them and they are all in cursive. So it's cool to kind of just be another woman in the family that writes just in cursive. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. All right. Nice. How do you feel about let's not or say we did driverless cars? Hmm. Right now, let's say Mm -hmm. we did. Maybe when we get some cooler technology, let's not. But I've I've heard you can even put stickers in the road to mess up some of the sensors on cars. And there's ways that you can kind of hijack a smart oh, car. Yeah, yeah. And that's a little intimidating. So when we learn how to kind of put up those firewalls against those things, that so would be awesome. So a little awesome. more safety. So you're into it if you could guarantee the safety. You'd right. you like, jump in, take me to XYZ. Let's sure. go. Yeah. And I can take a nap. Yeah. I love public transportation. Mm-hmm. My husband and I split one car and we live right next to a Sunrail station and we have Zipcar at our fingertips and Uber and Lyft. And I love that idea of cutting down. But what I want to put, you know, my daughter right now in a self-driving car and go to Disney on I-4, probably not. Yet. Well, I, I don't think you should send your daughter to Disney on I-4 by herself. Not yet. Yeah. Right. In a driverless car. No. No, not at all. I know that's not what you're saying, but that's still pretty funny. Okay, so let me ask you this. Tiny houses. Oh, let's not love them. Yeah. Yeah. I live in an 850 square foot house right now, and it's fabulous. And With with a dog and a baby? And a cat and Uh a husband. Uh Husband's probably the biggest mess maker. Um, Yes. But I I love it. It's made me really cut down on things and live a little bit more of like a minimalist life. And I can't have a lot of clothes. You know, I have to kind of get it down to the things that I like and my daughter's toys or she still has a lot of toys, but they're still limited. And the things that I have really get used. I don't hold on to things. I can't hoard items. And I love the small space living. We're all very close to each other. We're all kind of on top of each other. And I I like that little family aspect of it. And yeah, I love small living. If I could go smaller, I would. Do you feel like as somebody who's doing this and somebody who grew up uh, sort of uh, running around in the outdoors and stuff, do you feel like it forces you outside a little bit more? Definitely. Definitely. You have your living space and your cooking space indoors and then you go and you play outside. I have a nice carport where I have most of my macrame art it's like a little studio that's that's outside Mm -hmm. you know that's where I have most of the space I can't keep that indoors and I love that I have to go outside to do that um and we'll go and play at the park instead of you know inside at the house unless it's raining and yeah it definitely gets you outdoors more nice I like that how do you feel uh let's not or say we did uh, about sleep I would say, say we did right now. I have too many things on my plate. <laughs> I, I would love the idea of sleeping through, you know, the weekend, but then I just, I wake up in the middle of the night with an idea or a project or a deadline that I want to hit. And I would just rather get it done than just sit in bed and anxiously wonder. So that's your version of the night terrors. Yes. Yeah. yeah. see that. All right. How about the world cup? Let's not, or say we did. <sighs> say we did. I just am not a, I'm not a big sports person. Mm-hmm. I never played sports really in school, so I don't understand them, I think might be the problem. So I, I don't really know enough about any of the sport 
things okay. going on right now. So you're so. not rooting for any countries or anything? Nope. Like, because the U.S. isn't in it. Canada, obviously not in it. So you wouldn't be, you can't root for them. No. Uh, let's see. Greece is not in it. I'm just going through the ones that I care about. The cool ones In terms ones of the countries. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. The places where I'm Who from. Who's in it right now? Uh, let's see. Russia. Okay. Uh... <laughs> This is how That's I- it. You know what I thought was funny is Switzerland is playing Sweden, and I I don't know how I'm going to tell the difference between the two teams because all I can imagine is they look all exactly the same. They usually wear different colored jerseys. Okay, that might that might be helpful. help. That might be helpful. All right, so let me ask you. Let's go back to technology for a second. This is something that I'm fascinated with: is Amazon Go. This is the store they opened up in Seattle. You uh, put your Amazon app, you open it up, you go in the store, you take what you want, put it in your bag and leave. There's no cashiers, nothing else. They're tracking your movements. They're tracking what you put in your bag and they just charge it to you automatically. How do you feel about that? Is that a concept store you'd be into? Is that somewhere you would shop on occasion? I'm going to say, say we did with that one. Uh, only I... It's cool. I see where it can be of benefit to some people. I have a husband that works in retail. And so, you know, most of the money is him being able to manage a large group of employees that they're just there for customer service. Mm-hmm. And so they would be without a job, really, because they're not there helping people pick it out and so there's still be, be cashiers. People, and, yeah, there's still be some people in the store. Um, but yeah, definitely not as many needed because you wouldn't have that cashier requirement. Yeah. I mean, it's a cool idea. I still like Amazon in general. And Amazon, I mean, I'd probably use it if it came here. I would probably mm. break down it. It's so convenient. And I don't <laughs> like lines. You know, you go into, there's a Walmart that's around here and there's always like a 20 minute line. You're there at two o'clock in the morning because you needed something and last so minute. Long. And then yeah. there's the longest line of the day, it seems like at that time. And that's very frustrating. So Amazon Go would seem really nice for that. All right. Yeah. I think you just talked yourself I into think it. I, yeah. Yeah. All right. Last question for now. Cobbler, the dessert, not the oh, person. Let's not. I love cobblers. Yeah. Yes. Strawberry rhubarb cobbler. Oh, that sounds really for good. For sure. That's Again, my favorite. Mouth is watering. Yes. I'm going to have to stop asking food questions because it's early in the morning when we record the show. And I've usually not had breakfast. And so, you know, I'm going to eat lunch right after this at 9, 9 15, 9 20 a.m. You're going to have jerky and cobbler Jerky and cobbler. That sounds... Sounds American and perfect. And our next food truck idea. Yes. Jerky and cobbler. I'm on that with you. All right. All right. All right. We'll do that. Thank you very much for that. I got to know you a little bit better, Victoria. Thank you. And so we'll come back in a few minutes. We're going to talk a little bit more about macrame. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, growing up here in Orlando, your college experience, what you plan to do coming out of high school and what you actually did because sometimes... For some reason, those don't always match up. No, they don't. Yeah, and and everyone's still okay afterwards, which is uh, which is an interesting thing. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. We're going to hear a song first. Let us listen to uh, some Sam Roberts. Let's. Okay. Okay. You're so easy to get along with. You too. That's so great for us. This food truck thing will be great. Oh my gosh, we're gonna have so much fun. Let's do a tiny food truck. Like out of a Prius or a Miata. Okay. Or an El Camino. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's like tailgating kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tailgating, jerky, and cobbler. Go to just all the sports events. That would be so perfect. Because you know what you know about sports and what I know about cobbler, just put that together. (laughs) It's a winning combo right there. Oh, goodness gracious. Sam Roberts with the appropriately named Hard Road on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. Let me tell you a little bit about our new sponsor, The Last Straw. You're at work. You're starving and need something fast for lunch, so you pick up a sub. You barely chew it. You're so hungry. It was just there, and now it's gone. That's bad, right? No, seriously, that's bad, right? Because I literally just had a sandwich when I woke up this morning. Like, every morning I wake up starving, I make a Philly cheesesteak at... Well, forget that for a second. How about we slow that process down? With a straw! A sandwich straw! You stab it and then suck out the sandwich. You get a little bit of everything, and now it takes hours to eat that sandwich. The last straw for your health. Sam Roberts on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. That was hard road. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to A Certain Degree. I'm here as I am every week, 7 to 9 a.m. Mondays. Very special guest every week, Victoria Walsh, Macrame Mama, is here. Hello. Victoria Walsh, do you hyphen? Is it Walsh dash Macrame Mama? I usually sign it Victoria Walsh parentheses macrame mama. Okay. So parentheses. That's a good way to hyphenate a last name, I think. The macrame. I wish I could legally. No, just parentheses. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Legally call yourself that? That would be awesome. Just get it changed. You could. Most people call me mama around town. Oh, yeah? So it's catching on, which I love. Nice. Or maybe they just forgot my name and they know I do macrame and they're like, hey, mama. How are you? (laughs) I think that might be something else that it's they're fine. referring to. It's friendly. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming out today. So we talked a little bit about, and we joked a little bit about starting a food truck, a cobbler and jerky food truck. But really, you have your hands full already, literally, with yes. what you do on a day-to-day basis, with it, which is macrame and trying to spread the love and spread the word and uh, take that to people through classes and... Uh, things of that nature, and also art installations that you're doing. So we've got a ton of things to talk about. But I guess taking it a step back is how did you get into it in the first place? Were you just a precocious kid? You had a lot of rope laying around. You were like, ah, oh, God, I love knots. Yes. <laughs> kind of. I think it came around full circle. I remember we did use knots growing up outside camping and being outdoors, you know, for different things, tying knots on buoys for ducks, decoys, things like that. Um, And my dad taught a knot-making workshop, I remember, in the Girl Scouts, where we learned all sorts of really cool decorative knots, and I think that kind of stuck with me. So when I became an adult and went back into college and started studying psychology and art and different things, I just found fibers again and kind of reverted back to those old beautiful knots. Um, so there was a big gap where I was not nodding, but Bam, boom. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for that. Um, but I, yeah, I did. But kind you of were doing up. other sorts of art. So you were studying art in college and, uh, things yes. of that nature. Were you drawing? Were you, how, how were you experiencing and how were you interacting with art at the time? Well, you know, it's funny because in high school, I actually did a lot of study into drafting. Like I took all the drafting classes at Boone High School and I oh, went okay. to Mid-Florida Tech and finished out their drafting certificate and got a scholarship to go to FIU and did not like it down there because I am 
so original to Orlando. It mm-hmm. was very strange being down in South Florida. It was a totally different culture. So I backed out last minute, which was probably the best thing that's happened to me because then I was forced to go into Valencia Community College was the only place I could really get into enroll, but they ended up having the most amazing studio there, like art studio with beautiful kilns for ceramics, awesome sculpting teachers, great design teachers. Um, They had a really great studio assistant there. His name was Richard. He actually teaches there now, and he was totally supportive of all the weird experimental things that I'd want to do to a point where even when I graduated Valencia, I kept paying for sculpture and ceramics three over and over and over again. And while I was enrolled at UCF, I would go back to Valencia just to use their facilities Mm -hmm. And just make in that space. And I started doing ceramics and I did, you know, just clay sculpture. Um, And then that got really expensive when I stopped using the studio space, having your own kiln and just the electricity for that or the upkeep on that. It's rough. Um, And it also takes up a lot of space. You have to have the certain type of house set up to have like an outdoor area to have this really hot kiln running safely. Um, So I had to kind of struggle with what I was going to do next. I got into sewing and Nuno felting and embroidering and picked up cords and started macraming and realized how sculptural and just texturized things can be and the different materials that you can bring in and weave into it. You can really incorporate a lot of things. You can have handmade ceramic beads still in there. You Mm -hmm. can have rovings, which is going to be like a really soft, just fur that's really fluffy and gives like this cloud-like texture to ropes that might be really tough, like a hemp or a twine. And it gives you splinters almost when you tie it with your fingers. And there's just so many great things that you can do with it. And macrame is just really the art of knotting. It's not necessarily just plant hangers or wall hangings. Really, you can Sure. You could do a lot of different things. I've seen a couple of pictures on your Instagram and things of that nature. And if they wanted to, people wanted to follow you, it'd be at macrame mama. M-O-M-M-A. Right, yes. want to make sure. Yes. And so there's a, what I'm hearing too is there's a bit of a science to it, right? Like where does the material come from and mm-hmm. how is it being uh, used and how was it treated before it became rope or whatever it is that you're using? Is that correct? Because Definitely. I know that a couple of things we talked about when we were emailing back and forth and I was asking you like um, uh, what's your you know dream event to go to? And it's actually the, it was in Australia, right? Yes. Yeah, what is it called? It's like a, a woolen, was it woolen roving market? It's yeah. a big festival event. So they have, of course, like their different fiber bearing animals like alpacas and sheep. And they will sell roving and fibers either just raw, completely shaved off of the animals, not cleaned. You would need to clean that yourself and comb it out to get the fibers in place. And then you can either use those fibers in something that's called Nuno felting, which is a type of wet felting, or you can spin it um, like Rumpelstiltskin, you know, on the, the spinning sure. wheel. I, make people it look gold. at me and they go like Rumpelstiltskin exactly. and they know I'm going to understand that I reference. Would, exactly. I knew yeah. it. Yeah, so I mean, you can spin it into string. You can keep it fluffy and use it for other felting. Uh, I personally really like cotton rope or cord. That's really nice for me. It has a good feel to it. Roving seems to fall apart. Twine and hemp is a little too rough, but you know, I have a little bit of everything in my stash because you do you do have different purposes for it, and some will hold a knot better than others will. One will kind of fall into itself when you knot it, like a 
yarn, if you were to knot with yarn, you'd almost lose that knot because it's mm-hmm. too squishy. But if you have a thicker like knot or, or a thicker cord, like a marine cord, you can really see the defined lines of the knot. It doesn't fall into itself. It stays very rigid when you work the knots around each other. So depending on what you're trying to achieve, you kind of need a little bit of everything. Looking at it, a lot of makers get into whatever it is that they're into, 3D printing or woodworking or macrame, because you have sort of an anti-consumerism bent, right? Like, I don't want to go out and necessarily buy these things. I don't necessarily want to go out and uh, have to pay somebody else to do something. I can make this stuff myself. Is that part of your motivation? Is that something you talk to people in your class about? I mean, it's a selling point for my workshops. Like, you don't ever have to buy a plant hanger again if you can make one. But personally, no, I didn't really start looking at macrame for sale until after I started working with macrame, surprisingly. So it was really neat to get into it and then find other people in the community that were also macrame and what they made with it. There's also just, you know, useful things like paracord, you know, if you're going to go jumping or rigging up on like rock climbing or something like that. There's all sorts of useful knots in that way. It's just a useful skill to have. So it's decorative, but then some knots are going to be very useful. Well, and I love the idea of having a useful skill someday. Someday. For me. Other than juggling. Other than, that's the one. I said marketable. (laughs) I didn't say useful. My, My one other useful skill is my terrible handwriting so no one can read it. When people ask you what you do, how do you typically self-identify? As a community artist, I would say. I went back and forth between a macrame artist and a fiber artist, and I've just decided to clump it into a community artist because I don't just macrame. Sometimes I do little hike and weaves or just other kid projects around town, and really the whole goal is to get people in the community anybody, you know, different income levels, um, different people from all sorts different places in society, mm-hmm. like over in Baldwin Park or over at UCF or over at Dr. Phillips and just pulling them together for a little workshop or a community art installation. That's really what's what's cool to me. Teach them something new and have them walk away with a holding a piece of something they didn't think they could do and then they did it and they're really proud of themselves. And at the end of the class and everybody's really happy and just holding their new macrame baby that's this really special special feeling to give everybody it's a community artist yeah yes that's great Uh, well and i love that because i think it ties into you know looking at the schedule of events that you have so for example coming up this saturday is the event over at lou gardens so people get not only an introduction to macrame they get to go to lou gardens which maybe they didn't go to before that's true or the art and history museum of maitland or you know those sorts of events that you're doing which is really about community so i think that's Mm -hmm. very cool yeah i love offering them at different venues around town different museums that i like different gardens Mm -hmm. even different bars sometime for a fun night out or even just different boutiques maybe we do some shopping and some macrame but it is fun to just get to know a lot of the local business owners and resources in the community and have people join me on macrame journeys at these different venues. So somebody might have made a macrame pillow with a blue bonnet and then came back for a plant hanger at Retromended and they're going to wrap trees with me at the Art and History Museum of Maitland. But it keeps them going around and trying different things, mm-hmm. you know, unified underneath a group of 
of makers. So it sounds like you've gotten a pretty good response from the community in terms of participation. It's It's been overwhelming, and I feel so lucky to be able to do this. I don't know many other cities that I'd be able to make a living doing this. I, mm-hmm. I don't have another job. I'm able to do this full time. Between the workshops that I have and the private parties and the commissions, Orlando has really given me a platform to make it happen. And they had a great overwhelming response. Now there's even other macramayers in town that are offering workshops too. So you can see that it's catching on and fiber arts is just a growing thing and it's great. So from an entrepreneurial standpoint, did you go into this with, uh, okay, this is my plan. I'm going to do this and then this is going to happen. And then uh, because I see you working on a lot of different things. So you have, as I mentioned, I met you at an event. So you actually had a booth there. Um, you do the events at different places. You do uh, the parties and the custom stuff. Did you have an idea that you were going to have all these lines or did you just start out and say, okay, I'm going to start this and we'll see what happens? I think it was a little bit of both. I started out just wanting to do custom commission pieces. Mm -hmm. And one of my friends over at Little Indies, Kate, she was a bartender. She's moved, which is sad. But she used to teach dream catcher workshops and she encouraged me to try to do a macrame workshop. And so my first one was at Little Indies and it, it sold out. And so then we did another one and it sold out. We did another one and it sold out. And I was like, hey, there's a, this might be a thing here. And then I found out that I was pregnant. And so then that really motivated me to try to figure out how to make this something that I can make a living off of. So then I started venturing out to other local businesses and tried to host workshops there with them. I partnered mm-hmm. with Lou Gardens. Um, and then the Art and History Museums of Maitland has really given me a lot of resources there as well. And it just kind of has all fallen into place. Um, so I did start with just wanting to make custom pieces, but really the, the community workshop has been a surprise, but it's been a very welcome surprise. That's really made it for me. What about, so in terms of advice for entrepreneurs or, or artists who are out there kind of looking around and going, maybe they don't need to, or maybe they're not going to try to make it their only source of income, but they're still trying to do something on the side, right? So you have your, and I hate calling it a side hustle because I feel like when it's a creative outlet and it's something that you love to do, then it's not a side hustle. Then your, your job is the side hustle. Right. And this is, you know, your passion project. So somebody wants to pursue that passion project. Is there any advice you would have for them? Just partner with the community. I think that it's all about empowering each other. You know, for me, I, would, I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't have the places that let me host my workshops behind me and, and helping to market that. In the beginning, I didn't have a lot of followers on Instagram. So mm-hmm. I'd be really reliant on, on the venue themselves to push it for me because they're the ones with all of the followers. And so if you don't have that relationship with other business owners, you won't really get that far um, just because people don't know you yet, but just keep going and have passion behind it. I found that when I'm teaching, my passion really comes out and it's contagious. You know, then people, they want to have that same feeling connected with something. And, and that I think really is, is the money maker, so to speak, because that's what you're selling is this like new coping skill to just make and create and be happy and be a part of the community. And I have had people message me on Instagram asking how, how I'm doing it. And I give them that, that same advice, just know your, know your neighbors and have a genuine interest in growing in the community together. So genuine interest. Genuine. Hold on, let me write that down because yes, that's something genuine. that I'm missing. 
there's a cool shirt around mm. town that says, you know, like community over competition. Sure. And you have to, you have to believe that. Yeah. You know, we have other macrame workshops in town and I think that's, that's awesome. I don't, I can't view that as a negative thing. I can just view that as there's now this need obviously for macrame and, and that's great. And so we just encourage each other and try to respect each other's kind of territory and mm-hmm. groups and, of people that they work with and, and do our own thing and build macrame together. Very good. Well, let's take a break. Okay. And then we'll come back and talk about some other things. It's going by very quickly. It does. Yeah. I'm a joy to talk to. Don't laugh. It's really nice. If you could juggle. I, I will juggle. I'll figure out a way During to juggle something in here. Uh, some CDs or something. Let's listen to a song. This is Mofro with The Long Way Home on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. I'm here with Victoria Walsh, Macrame, Mama. See you soon. Hey, Nick here. Uh, That that seemed unnatural. Uh, It's coming up on hurricane season. We're going to get to the summer. There's going to be storms. And guess what? Your power is going to go out. If you're like me, you have no idea how to use or even look at a generator. So what are you going to do when it gets hot? Well, I'm glad you asked. We have a new sponsor called Enchant Suits. They basically make wearable environments. So the idea is that instead of trying to cool your house, you're just trying to cool you, regardless of the other people that are around. So it's a spacesuit, essentially, advanced technology, I'm sure, safe, possibly, and it recycles your waste, which is pretty neat, I think, for a lot of people. So you're home, you're cool, the power might be out, but you're drinking your pee and chant suits. Well, I guess that song is over. Hey, and that was Mofro, The Long Way Home on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to Certain Degree. Good morning again. My name is Nick, and I have a very special guest, as I do every week. This week, no exception. And first hour is almost up. Victoria Walsh, Macrame Mama. Hello again. Hello. First hour, gone. Like It was so like, fast. Does that come through on radio? Oh, that's way better. Wow, you put me to shame with your snapping. Victoria, I want to talk a little bit more about coming out of high school. And so you mentioned that you'd gone to Boone, you did the drafting classes, you're really into it because of, I would imagine, the artistic outlet that it was for you. Yes, I loved being able to have an idea in your head and then put it down on paper and then render it in a 3D form where you could walk people through Mm -hmm what you were imagining and that was beautiful to me but also because my my stepdad is a landscape architect in town and he's designed some parks around here and worked with some different businesses and so in my head I was thinking oh well I have this resource and he does quite well for himself and this is a a good degree to pursue Um, and I probably would have continued doing drafting if I could have taken that in here in Orlando but like I said we were going to go to FIU and that is too far from home for me. So you got a scholarship? I did. Okay. And so you went and checked it out. It was like, not for you. Not for me. For whatever reason. Uh, You ended up, because it was probably late in the game, and so you ended up at Valencia. I did, yes. Dad was very upset about that transition. I remember that he had paid for my dorm, and I told him after he paid for the dorm that I didn't want to go there. So he had lost all that money, and I moved back in with him, which I'm sure he was very excited to have me out of the house. Um, But I was very happy to be back in the house with him that was my happy place and went to Valencia and like I said they had just a fantastic art education program that was there that their facilities are 
outstanding, and they're still some of my favorite places to work from in Orlando. So you finished your AA? I did. And then went over to UCF? I did. And then got pretty close to being done, is that correct? Very close, yeah. And I was in the ROTC program Mm -hmm. over there, the Army ROTC program for quite a while, and I was studying psychology with the hopes of pursuing art therapy, and I was interning at local places like middle schools and behavioral health care facilities such as Lakeside Behavioral Health and La Amistad. Um, and I, I got very, very close to finishing and 14 credits out, I, I dropped out. So I'm not sure if I really want to continue in the psychology route of things or if I really want to go pursue art more. Mm-hmm. But I like the, the education that I have had from it to apply to the community arts that I've been providing now. So both from an art and a psychology point of view. Right. Yeah. Because when I worked at the behavioral facilities, we would do group art therapy projects. And a lot of them are very limited with the materials that we can hand out for somebody that's going through a traumatic crisis. Sometimes they're willing to hurt themselves or others. And knitting was something that I was able to offer Mm -hmm. at Lamastad. And that was fantastic to have something for people to focus on other than the problems at hand. And sometimes we would do clay building. You know, we would just have a bowl of clay and pinch pot, you know, pinch our clay into like a little pot. And then we would paint that, just different things. And you really saw change in their attitude from the beginning of class to the end of class and just giving them, um, like I said, coping skills, something that they can do other than than worry was really useful. And so going back into my workshops, there's always a moment in my workshops where it gets quiet after everybody's learned the knots and they're just working on their project and it gets really quiet as if somebody's enjoying a really good meal mm-hmm. and everybody stops talking because they're just tasting. That same sort of thing happens in the macrame class and it gives me chills every time because then people start commenting on how wonderful and peaceful and meditative that right. art can be and I Which love, I love giving the, that to people. Yeah, part of the point of that. Uh, going back, coming into high school, um, if you were to talk to somebody who was in that position, what would you tell them? What advice would you give them? Just go with the flow, though. You know, that so many things are going to change, and I think that's probably the first lesson you're going to learn from adulthood. So nothing is going to go according to plan. And being able to rebound well and gracefully from that is going to be its own learning struggle. Um, but, it, but it happens. You know, I had no idea what I was going to do after I, I came back and went to Valencia, but it ended up being the best thing for me. Mm-hmm. So I just, I thought it was the end of the world then, but it was just the beginning. Very nice. Well, I can't really follow up that with any questions, so let's just uh, go ahead and take a break. Okay. And we're going to come back next hour, first hour done. Victoria Walsh, thank you so much. We'll come back with bad business ideas. Even though we've already pitched one, we could still talk about that one a little bit more and flesh that out. Uh, We'll have a very, very special pop quiz. I can't tell you how happy I am with the anniversary uh, of today that we're going to have the pop quiz about. Okay. I'm very nervous. I can't wait. So we'll come back in a few minutes. You're listening to a certain degree. Victoria Walsh at Macrame Mama on Instagram. You could search for that on Facebook as well. And MacrameMama.com, M-O-M-M-A. Uh, Definitely look that up as soon as possible because she has events coming up as soon as this weekend. And so really interesting things all around town and really fun, too. And you can get 
super meditative, which is nearly impossible for me. So maybe I need to do that. You're coming to a class. Okay. Okay. Or I'm getting meditative right now. Or am I? Or aren't you? No, I'm not. Okay. Okay. So let's listen to some Beth Orton on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Eating, walking, weather, the restroom. What do all of these things have in common? Right, they can all mess up your clothes. And your clothes are literally the most important things you wear on a day-to-day basis. As much as we'd like, we can't replace eating, walking, weather, and the restroom with something less dangerous to our appearance. Guess what? We have a solution to this terrible problem. Turnabout is the first company on the planet that manufactures clothes as stylish as they are reversible. You will literally be wearing your clothes inside out, ready to do the old switcheroo in case something untoward happens. Turnabout clothes look exactly the same in either configuration, and they are manufactured with a space-age polymer that prevents liquids or puddings from soaking through. Get sized at toacertaindegree.com. Tegan and Sarah with Monday, Monday, Monday. Monday. No, 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 just three. Do you want to say it? Monday, Monday, Monday. Monday, Monday, Monday. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to A Certain Degree. Uh, Some silliness happens on the show, but we're about to get super serious for a few minutes to talk about bad business ideas with Victoria Walsh. And I can't think of a better person to talk about bad business ideas with, as we've established earlier in the show. And if you missed any of the show, please feel free to go to a certain degree dot com. So you can listen to the entire thing. I'll have it up later this week. But a successful entrepreneur, not tire, you're going to know. You're going to just know how to make these terrible ideas better. And you're going to be able to pick one and say, this is the right one for me and for the world. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So with that pressure on you, let's listen to the song. Bad business ideas. Time to pick just one. It's gonna be totally legal. We hope it won't hurt anyone. So come on, have some fun. Yes, bad business ideas, the cover band of startups. Uh, Victoria, <laughs> you have a small child. I do. And does she have like any kind of security blanket or binky or something that she needs to have all the time? She has a stuffed Elmo that she's really in love with. They're really attached to. Yeah. And if it's ever lost or anything. Or has to be washed. It's bad news. not happy about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So I've seen that before. Um, I had a pillow. My sister had the blanket. I had a pillow. I called it my little pillow. And uh, one time I thought I'd lost it. One time I left it in a hotel and mm-hmm. I did definitely lose it. And they had to mail it to us because I could not function without it. And this other time I lost it in the house, couldn't find it, couldn't go to sleep, nothing. And uh, I remember after two hours of searching, inviting family over to help look, I go, Mom, can I have a Popsicle just to make me feel a little bit better before I try to go to bed? Open the freezer and there it is. (laughs) In the freezer. Because I had put it there because I love the feel of a cold pillow. Oh. So I had done it on purpose. I just forgot where it was. Right. What I'm thinking is it's a security blanket, right? It is, yeah. What are they missing? The security blankets, the pillows of the world? I think the smell of home. Yeah. You know, I used a nanny for this boy and he had this blanket, you know, the print of like the Cars cartoon on it. And it was like a fleece blanket and it was just falling apart. And that thing would get so stinky and oily and he would get so mad at me if I washed it. 
because it would change the smell to it. You know, it had like this stank to it that he really was into for some okay. reason. Um, and my daughter's almost like, she seems to get really mad at it if it's if it's washed too. So I don't know if it's a smell thing. Smell thing. thing. Okay. So what I was going for is Wi-Fi compatibility oh. so that we could always keep track of it. But now that I like your idea better because I think if we can embed it with some sort of scent mm, like a and then when you wash it, it still smells the same. Yes. I like that idea a little bit better. So let's work out security blanket. We'll also work on our other idea, which is the small food truck with just cobbler and jerky. Right. But right now, Victoria, may I call you Victoria? Yes, please. Great. Uh, there are many proverbs and sayings out there. A watch pot never boils. Don't count your chickens before they're hatched. Who let the dogs out? One, I always get wrong. I always mess this one up. I know it by heart, uh, but I always end up going back on it. Don't go to the grocery store hungry. Has that ever happened to you? I only go to the grocery store hungry, it seems like. Okay. Do you ever go, you're on a shopping trip, you don't have a list, you're in a hurry, you get home, you're covered in goldfish dust, you've bought 15 BOGOs that you would never normally buy or need, and you've gone over budget, you know, you're you're all messed up. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, you're ill-prepared for the rest of your day, your week, your month, or even your year. Definitely. And then, you know, you didn't prep your refrigerator for it because you right. got to get rid of all the leftovers. Then I'll fit this huge load of groceries that you have into your fridge. How does that even like, work? Yeah. Guess what? I'll be there for you. With a new service called Bite Bouncers. The Bite Bouncers mission is simple. They're standing outside of the grocery store, literal bouncers that have to let you in if you're one of the Bite Bouncer uh, customers, if you subscribe to this system. If you show up without your list... Your meal plan for the next few days and a budget, guess what? You're kicked back out. You don't get get to go in. You don't get into the grocery store. How much, if you're punished for not making a plan, chances are you'll make a plan. Now, you're probably asking yourself, Nick, that's great, but, you know, this whole thing started with going to the grocery store hungry. Well, part of your Bite Bouncer subscription is that they'll always have a snack ready for you if you have all of those other things. If you don't, again, you get turned away. That's brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. I don't know if the grocery stores would really like those bouncers. I'm not sure if that's going to be something that, yeah, we're going to be able to do legally. Maybe we could set it onto an app, like on your phone, and it tasers you or something. I thought about that. Yeah, it would have to be a taser, but who really listens to apps? Yeah. You know, like I'm supposed to do this many steps. I'm supposed to do all of these things, and I never do any of it. Maybe you have to wear like a... Like a, a shock, shock collar. collar, exactly yeah. like a shock bracelet. Okay, I like where your head's at. You don't at. even have to like pay for bouncers there. You could just have a sensor and so they walk through and you're like, this is not on your phone. Shock you bing. Have, yeah, you have to shock bing sh- list. Shock bing perfect. Okay, so you have to program all the stuff on your phone. You have to have the list. You have to have your mm-hmm. budget. You have to have mm-hmm. all these things. You have to somehow guarantee that you've eaten before you go. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then you have to scan the receipt afterwards. It's perfect. And if not... You're going to be unconscious. Perfect. I love it. Okay, so that's bite bouncers or shock ping. So we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. That's just idea number one. Victoria, okay. cool your heels. We still got another idea to go. But again, love where your head's at. All right. I've been really lucky with rideshare drivers so far. Uh, just went to Chicago, got back, and it was great. Most of them were really nice. They let me sit up front. Most importantly... We had really good 
conversations. And I think the chats are the most important parts. I don't have any data to back this up, but I feel like if the chats are good, if you have a good conversation in the car, much more likely to leave a tip for the driver, much more likely to leave a bigger tip in some cases for the driver. Assuming this is true, and I said it, so it must be true, people who can't hold up their end of a conversation are at a significant disadvantage when there comes to ride sharing, right? For sure. Can we help them with some better banter? Maybe. Should we help them with some better banter? Can we have somebody else speak for them? How do we help them with some better banter? What if, don't they have those tablets now where you can have somebody else go in live and Skype for you with like a tablet on their face and you can maybe put a tablet on the back seat of a car and just yep. be talking to them entertainer. instead. Entertainer, yeah. With a subscription to our new service, Follow Our Lead, oh, cool. what we'll start out with is we'll, they're looking at their phones anyway, right? The Lyft drivers are looking at their phones, looking for the direction and the destination right, and everything. Right. We'll actually put up some conversation starters right there for them, mm-hmm. some questions to ask. We'll, we'll like test it in our laboratories, I think is how you pronounce that, and before it goes up there. And then eventually, because everyone doesn't mind having their conversation uh, recorded and uh, analyzed by artificial intelligence, we'll do that. So then the stuff that's coming up on the screen is actually based on the conversations you're already having. So based on, oh, it sounds like this person, you know, the AI will think, oh, it sounds like this person might be leaning towards this politically, say this. And so you'll be able to manipulate your passenger into thinking you're the best at whatever it is that they're into. So you're proposing to me that our rideshare driver is reading while driving to get me safely somewhere. Yeah. Oh. But you'll have a better conversation, though. So safety down, Okay. experience level up. All right. And isn't that what's most important? It's debatable. Yeah. But maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's what bad business ideas are all about. I feel like I definitely, you know, somebody could be a horrible Uber or Lyft driver, but if, if they entertained me, I'm probably not paying attention to them merging incorrectly and slamming on their brakes as much. I'll forgive them easier. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Now, eventually the AI, maybe we just have them like read the voice print of the driver and just speak with their voice. Mm-hmm. So you're right. We could have the computer do it. It's getting a little creepy. Yeah. 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 And you would have to sit right behind the driver so you don't notice that it's not him or her talking. Right. So you can only open that door. All others are locked. Also creepy. Correct. But we might be onto something. I like it. So that is follow our lead. So you got two choices here. Let me uh, let me go back and uh, I will. I, I came up with some taglines. Okay. So bite bouncers, you'll make a plan because we'll make you make a plan. <laughs> so that's that one. I think that works for shock ping as well. And then follow our lead. We talk, they tip. Yes. So now you have these two wonderful meals set before you. You have to choose one. Okay, definitely the bite bouncers. Bite bouncers. So yes. you want to shock. But in the app people. version. Yeah. So shock. What did we call it? Shock ping. Shock ping. So yes. basically, and we don't have to do that forever. I mean, eventually you're Pavloved into just uh, just shopping the right way. Right. So you're fine after a while. Right. Okay. Sounds I really great. I like that. I like that idea better than the other one. Okay. Do you like it better than the jerky and cobbler food truck? Definitely not. 
That's going to be a winner, especially if we could somehow make a jerky cobbler. Well, I feel like there's a lot of experimenting we need to do with that. I'm okay with that experimentation. Okay, we're going to get an oven and uh, start experimenting right now while you, uh, you being the listener, listen to the song. It's Electric President with Grand Machine number 14. So that seems appropriate for this. It is. All right. On WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, you're listening to a certain degree. Hello, Nick here. If you're like me, you get mad at people. And if you're also like me, you're getting older and forgetting the people you have beef with. Until now, our new sponsor, I'm a big fan, Track and Ruin, takes the work out of managing your anger. Who are we tracking here? Who are we talking about? How about the person who didn't tell you about the spinach in your teeth or that your collar was popped? They took your parking space. They never acknowledged a gift. Whatever the wrong is, whether it's real or imaginary, you put it into your phone through our app. But Nick, you say, what makes this more special than a regular list? I'm glad you asked. What Track and Ruin does is cross-reference the wrongdoer wherever they exist on your phone, across every possible medium. That person posts something funny on Facebook and you click like, our app won't let you. It'll set up a warning so that you can't like any of their posts for, say, three days to three years. Another person on your list calls and asks you for a favor. The app prevents you from calling them back until a certain amount of time has elapsed. Yes, it's passive-aggressive and petty, but so was she when she gave you that backhanded compliment about your shoes. Track and ruin. Your retribution is our business. Electri- oh, electric president on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. That was Grand Machine number 14. Oh, it rhymes. It's kind of the first time I realized that. <laughs> not I'm intentional. Not, not fast on the uptake. I can't even think of the phrase that I'm trying to think of to describe how smart I am. Good morning. My name is Nick. <laughs> Good morning. You're listening to a certain degree. Victoria Walsh, macrame mama, is here with me right now. I'm so happy about this. You're a delight. Thank you. You should come here every morning. Okay. Okay. Great. Use the pie, the coffee. Uh, well, I'm not going to be here. I'm only here once a week. Okay. I'll just yeah. hang out here. Yeah. And macrame. That's exactly what you should. We've got plenty of room. Perfect. Obviously, we need some stuff to hang on the walls. We're in our temporary space here at WPRK and hopefully getting the antenna fixed very soon so people can listen again Mm -hmm. on the 91.5 FMs. Mm -hmm. And uh, right now, uh, we have a lot of people listening online and they can listen as a podcast later on. I wanted to ask you about music. Oh, Being an artistic person. Uh, we talked a little bit about sort of the, in, in terms of macrame and that meditative space you get to because you're doing something uh, with your hands. It's almost uh, allowing your, you know, it's keeping your lizard brain mm-hmm. busy so you could kind of, you know, relax and start thinking about other things mm-hmm. or thinking about nothing if you want. I was curious though, do you like to have music playing when you're doing that stuff? How do you interact with music in general? And then, uh, you know, specifically when you're being artistic, how do you interact with music? I love having music on in the background um, in all different genres of music. My husband plays in a band and he plays trumpet, so I'm partial to things with with brass in them recently. Um, But I grew up listening to like old school country, like the old women of country, Reba McIntyre and the Judds as well. So I can go from anywhere to... They call themselves Garage Soul, which my husband's in the Shabooms, and that's like a Garage Soul band, yeah. all the way to like old 
country with the Judds and, um, you know, everything in between. I do like some poppy stuff as well. And, you know, now with my daughter, we listening to some catchy little kid tunes with her. And I do have to admit, though, I I liked, you know, some people Netflix and chill and I Netflix and macrame a lot after my daughter goes to bed. So I'll like binge watch my series while working off of like a portable little clothing rack that I can move around my house and I kind of just set it oh, up yeah, in front so of the TV and something. just, yeah. yeah. And then do that because I can macrame really without looking at it. Now my hands just kind of do their own things. So it's a And then catching up between. on a TV show or it's got on in the background. Is it like a white noise type of situation where it helps you when you have something in the background going on? Yeah, definitely. Because it does get really quiet and yeah. you know, just, just working on it for several, several hours. Mm-hmm. So I'll switch back and forth between the TV and the radio. And sometimes the TV is nice just to have a little bit of light, you know, other people interacting on the screen. So you feel like you're into something, you're following a story. Um, and then other times music is really when I get into my inspiration state, when I need to really look at the project, take a step back, add a, see if I want to add more layers. So if I need to look more into my piece, then I'll put music on. But if I'm just working on a super repetitive like eight foot piece or I'm just doing the same knot for like hours Mm -hmm. that I might put on a TV show because that's just sometimes boring to be honest but it's beautiful at the end and you just have to get it through those couple steps yeah I like that because it's um it's like any other not necessarily chore that you're doing I don't want to call it a chore necessarily but when it does get that repetitive having something else to let allow your mind to wander Mm -hmm. uh is, is pretty nice do you ever feel like when you're listening to a particular type of music, like let's say you're usually going into macrame with an idea in mind of, of what the end goal is, right? Right. Well, most of the time. Well, and so I was going to ask, do you ever do any kind of abstract work where maybe you're listening to something and it's influencing what you're doing to an extent? Yeah, definitely. I think the smoother the music, the more fringy and lacy the piece becomes. It becomes feminine or masculine, I think reflecting in that music that I listen to, which is very interesting. Um, right now I'm working on a piece and I had on a lot of like jazz music. So this piece I think is very different than like when I was listening to the new Drake album, for example. Okay. You yeah. know, and that one ended up being more like squared off and like cubic and mm-hmm. shape. And I haven't really thought about that, but now that you ask me, yeah, it does, it does influence it. So when you're listening to death metal, it's going to be a little bit darker and like Probably. more jagged. Oh and yeah. Like black. I feel like weaving some bones. And yeah, yeah. 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 I like the idea of that because I feel like that, you know, you could do one, like one long piece where you're listening to different types of music and just letting it influence you in such a way that you can kind of see, okay, this was, this was the jazz period. And this was the pop period and, and stuff like that. Because I do feel like that is, even if you're conscious of the music you're listening to, it's still going to seep into what you're doing sometimes when you're working on something. Definitely. And I love that idea. Yeah. I might take that and Please run with it. Do That's it. actually beautiful. Do it. I also like the idea that if you're um, trying to trap uh, like souls or cursed souls or the undead in your macrame, like spirits, that yes. You could do that with specific knots. Did you know that knotting is one of the oldest forms of magic? I uh, no. Yeah, it goes back um, stories like Hercules. Mm-hmm. He used a special knot in that story. Um, so the old gods and goddesses that kind of began everything, like way before any of these religions were made, knotting was a big part of that. You would 
work on a knot, especially in sets of nine, was like a big important number. And you would bind a spell, so to speak, in a knot. And so when that knot was broken, that would release or end a spell, depending on how you were to cast that spell. Mm. Um, so it has some really cool folklore to it and some, you know, modern day magic makers. Um, not necessarily Wiccan, but, you know, hoodoo and other religious sects of that nature do use knots still. And that's so, kind of neat to think about. Let me ask you this. Could you put a curse, work a curse knot into a piece so that I could give it to somebody I don't like? I don't know. I'm not a magic person. So there's maybe? not like a specific knot that is like, this is a this is a bad knot. This gives out some bad mojo. I think it's like the intentions that you set behind the knot. So people would have a ritual that they would do and then like a blessing oh, and like kind of like okay. maybe put some herbs inside of it as well. So it, it's the whole... It's a whole thing. All of these so I would need together. to be there while you're knotting it, just like looking at it going, oh, I hate that person. Right, right. Or I'm sure some magic maker could make a knot for you, but it would involve different herbs and I would definitely have to know yeah. your set intentions and then they would probably have to break that knot for it to be released. Or maybe you could hide it in their vicinity just so that way that right. like the residual energies could come off from yeah. it so you could hide it underneath their car seat or something. You, you know? know, a lot of this sounds pretty uh, involved, so I'll just continue to be passive-aggressive towards okay. the people I don't like. Yeah. I think that'll be easier. Yeah, much easier than <laughs> learning a whole new ritual. of. What's, the, what's your favorite piece that you've made? Yeah, my favorite piece. I made this really... Awesome piece on some driftwood that my stepdad collected for me after the last hurricane out at Crystal River. He has a great habit of going around kayaking and pulling up cool pieces of driftwood and cleaning them for me. And I made a piece that um, made it to the Orlando Weekly, which was awesome. And then also we got to put it on display at Little Indies and now it hangs at my mom's house. And it was one of my first really like layered um, custom pieces where I just let it but it happened. I had mm -hmm. no plan to it. I kind of just mounted string and kept mounting more string and more and more string. And then it opened me up to going off of a pattern or I'm sorry, away from a pattern, I should say, right, and, right, right. and just into more of what, what would happen naturally with a piece. And since that piece, I start projects with, without sketches before I used to always sketch and use my drafting a lot with planning out and measuring cord and, and being really diligent about sticking to that plan. And now I do it very willy nilly and I let the piece kind of speak for itself, you know, and be what it wants to be, which a lot of times ends up being something totally different than I than thought. what it. you thought. Yeah. And this is for the more abstract. This isn't for like a plant hanger or something like that. These are for more of the abstract pieces that you're right. doing. Like maybe like a, something that would hang off of the ceiling, like a chandelier or something that would hang on the wall as a, wall hanger with different textures and materials added into it and not necessarily something useful like you said like a plant hanger or oh that's very cool wreath so do you do like for your workshops and stuff do you do a combination of it is it mainly the sort of the purposeful macrame pieces like the plant hangers and things like that or do you do a combination of sometimes it's going to be plant hangers and sometimes it's going to be sort of abstract pieces well it, it's both like for example, this weekend at Lou Gardens at 11 a.m., I'm teaching a hike and weave, right, for kids. So we do this every season, and we make our own weaving loom out of sticks and twine, and then we go out into the gardens and collect things that have fallen onto the ground. So we're walking around with kids ages four and up, and they're just finding 
found items and leaves and sticks. And then we sit around in the gazebo and weave them into these super abstract pieces, just using the different colors and textures that we found. So that's very abstract. And then I switch over at 2.30 and teach an adult macrame class um, where they are learning specific knots, Mm -hmm. but I let them learn the knots on like a practice cord. So they'll learn how to do a half knot and a square knot and a coil knot on their practice cord. And then I hand them the cords for their actual plant hanger and let them compose those knots in whichever manner that they, they feel comfortable with, not necessarily following a specific pattern, but blending those knots in whichever way they think is pretty. Uh, Um, but we're all making the same plant hanger about the same length, but all of the designs are different depending on the person. Yeah, because it's whatever spoke to you or whatever you felt more comfortable with. Right, yeah. Do you have a favorite knot or knot name? I really like the Josephine knot. It sounds very pretty and it mm-hmm. looks very pretty. And it kind of makes like a, the infinity shape. Oh, yeah. Like that. And you can use one cord or multiple cords and it can get very thick or wide. That's really pretty. And there's also a, a Pippa knot. They can hang really nicely like off of jewelry and it looks like a big teardrop. Mm. And that's a pretty knot as well. And it's hard to pick one because then there's also the half knot, which makes that nice spiral. They're not listening. See. I mean. They're not listening. So you can, you can choose favorites. Okay. Everybody's just kind of looking away now. I'm naming knots. But the, the half well, the spiral knots knot is, are not listening. Oh. Yeah. That's right. I'm You're not going to hurt them. any feelings. Yeah. That's true. And then I like them all, but those are my top three favorite. That spinny spiral half step knot is, is really nice. Very nice. All right. Well, thank you for that. Let's listen to another song, and then we're going to come back with a pop quiz. Okay. You're going to be fine. Okay. The pop quiz is going to be super fun today. I trust you. Oh, that was said with a lot of trust. Uh, <laughs> let's listen to some Beach House. This is woo. Like woo, like to woo someone. Not okay. woo. Not woo girls. Okay. I'm sorry, what? Woo girls? Wooing girls? No, okay. No, well, it could be. Like when you're at a bar and you're like hanging out with the ladies and you're like, woo, this is awesome time. Like bachelorettes, like no. they woo. No, okay. more like woo. Okay. Well, I didn't clear it up at all. So we'll hear that uh, on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. This episode is brought to you by Lawn Hair. Have some unsightly brown patches of grass in your yard? How do your neighbors stand it? Sure, you could start a feud, or you can order lawn hair to fix the problem. Unlike sod or seeds, lawn hair instantly turns your brown upside down into green. With our patented delivery system, we spray fiberglass that was stained to match the exact shade of your lawn, like magic. As long as no one breathes during installation, or walks on or near the new grass ever. You'll have the best lawn on the block, and that may be a guarantee. Schedule your lawn hairdo at toacertaindegree.com. Beach House on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. That was woo. W-O-O. How about that? I'll, I'll just spell it out. I'm That's literally right. spelling it out for you. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to a Certain Degree. My very special guest, Victoria Walsh. You can find her at macrame mama, M-O-M-M-A. Dot com, and find out about the event she has coming up. We're going to talk about more about that. Uh, find out where to follow her on the social medias. Uh, so mainly Instagram and Facebook. That the two yes. you mainly do. Yes. Instagram seems like it would be because you want to see the photos of your macrame. Yes, definitely more active on Instagram. It's more of a sharing to Facebook from Instagram sure. type thing. So great. 
and we can find out all about that. But for right now, we're going to test your trivia skills. We're going to test your pop squid. Pop squid? Pop squid. We're going to test your pop squid. Uh, An octopus makes an appearance in this pop quiz, so that's why I probably (laughs) said that. 175 years ago, on this day, Charleston, South Carolina had a thunderstorm. That's not unusual. It's, you know, that time of year. Even 175 years ago was that time of year. The odd thing was what fell from the sky during that storm. To quiz you about that and other UFOs or unusual falling objects, is Miller John, half of the creative team at the To Be Decided channel on YouTube. So, Miller, uh, take it away. Ask us some questions. Howdy, folks. I'm Miller. Thanks for having me. The UFOs in this quiz are of the animal variety. History is littered with weird and unexplained meteorological events, and many of them involve plummeting critters of all shapes and sizes. In the case of the thunderstorm in Charleston, what did people find at the corner of Wentworth and Anson Streets that they assumed could only have gotten there from the storm? A, a two-foot gator, B, a three-foot crocodile, or C, a four-foot unicorn. So what do you think? They found, they were like, oh my gosh, this is sitting right here. It could have only fallen from the sky. A gator. A gator. Yes. Two-foot gator. All right, Miller, is she right? It was, in fact, a two-foot alligator. Looking at the intersection on a map, it's not that far from the water, so it's conceivable that the gator could have walked there, maybe looking for a mint julep or something. I could be wrong, though. According to a newspaper account of the event, the beast had a look of wonder and bewilderment about him that showed plainly enough he must have gone through a remarkable experience. I have that sometimes. That was look. alive? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, again, maybe not falling from the sky. Yeah. Probably. But this does happen. That's have terrifying. you heard of this, like, I mean, stuff falling from the sky? Yeah, but not a gator. Right. All right. Miller, how about the next question? Whether the little reptile arrived by air or by Google Maps, we will probably never know. Sightings of falling mammals, reptiles, and insects have been reported throughout history, with fish being the most likely to achieve terminal velocity. A hail of halibut sounds scary, but which of the falling would be even more horrifying if you were caught without an umbrella? A. A 100% chance of worms, B. A sprinkle of spiders, or C. A torrent of toads. So worms happened, I believe, in England. The spiders happened in Brazil. And the toads have happened in multiple places. Oh, my gosh. So literally, scientists don't exactly know why this happens. The idea is that maybe there's some sort of updraft, a small tornado, pulls everything up, and then drops it down somewhere else. So what would be the most horrifying for you? Worms, spiders, or toads falling from the sky? Spiders. Spiders. Yeah, they would be harder to brush off, I think. Yeah, so what happened was they all fell, and then they immediately started... uh, putting webs up and so it was almost like this you know this dew that occurred on this town in brazil oh my gosh yeah i think it would be for me uh if i was going off of that list it would probably be the spiders as well because i would just assume they're all trying to get in my ear and lay eggs right if i'm going off of another list of horrifying things falling from the sky probably like cardassians (laughs) that would be pretty frightening (laughs) So, Miller, what was your uh, most frightening thing, uh, or what would terrify you the most? Personally, my worst-case scenario out of the three would be a torrent of toads, because a load of toads upon my humble abode would bring terror for nights to come. Okay, well, got some rhyming there. He's a bit of a poet. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay, next question. We've gone this long without talking about Sharknados, but that time is over. Just last month, a coastal city in China was hit with a hurricane-force storm. Once residents ventured back to check out the damage, they found an octopus, mollusks, shellfish, and other sea life strewn about. This will get made into a movie, of course. In that movie, what do you think would be the most interesting motivation for the marine animals to want to get caught in that storm? A. They're trying to find Nemo. B. They wanted to visit Toys R Us before it closed. Or C. They're aquanauts exploring space for the first time. So what do you think? So they, this happened last month. They have, uh, you know, the shellfish. They had the shrimp up in the electrical wiring. They had mollusks and other um, clams and stuff. Uh, and at one point, they saw an octopus falling from the sky. So basically, a hurricane, little water spout or something, pulled a bunch of stuff out and dumped it on the city. Wow. So if we were going to use this in a movie... What do you think would be the most interesting uh, motivation for them? Or is it another Finding Nemo where, uh, you know, obviously they're trying to find Nemo because Nemo is always trying to get away from them. Yes. He He's always, he hates the ocean, I think. They wanted to visit Toys R Us before it closed. Mm-hmm. Or they're aquanauts. They're actually just exploring the outside world. I love the idea of aquanauts. Yeah? Yeah. So just a movie about these guys like, hey, we can get on land and figure everything out. Yeah, it's like us, you know, like trying to go to Mars. They're like, man, global warming. We can go to China. We can't live here for much longer. What else can we do? That would be brilliant. Plus, you know, you don't know how some octopus are brilliant. Uh, They're also potentially aliens. Yeah, so they're probably like the leaders is what I'm thinking. And then they have like their little squadron of like shrimp, you know. Shrimp and clams and other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Okay, so let's see what, uh, hopefully no more rhyming from Miller. Personally, I believe that the marine animals may have wanted to get caught in that storm because they're in it for the money. By that, I mean they're trying to find Nemo so that a new Nemo sequel could be made, as the Nemo movies have been some of the most profitable animated films of all time. Of course, they wanted to create material for a new one. After all, money makes the world go round, and that includes the oceans. He's a bit cynical. Yes. I don't know where he gets that from. Probably some of his relatives somewhere. All right. I think we have just one more question. Okay. You're doing really well. I think you've gotten them all right. Right. That last one I couldn't have gotten wrong or right. So mm. I loved that one. Right. Well, same one with the scary thing. That's true. Yeah. So you're doing, you're batting a thousand. Great questions. Thank you. Time for the final question. A particularly heavy downpour is described as raining cats and dogs. No one knows exactly where that phrase came from, but many other cultures and countries have similar thoughts on describing a bad storm. Which of the following is your favorite? A. The Croatian saying, it's raining axes. B. The Danish saying, it's raining shoemaker's apprentices. Or C. The Greek saying, it's raining chair legs. So a whole lot of fun there. All better than raining cats and dogs. So Croatians with raining axes... The Danish saying it's raining shoemakers' apprentices, or the Greek saying it's raining chair legs. Wow, that's those are all incredible things. I like the raining axes for some mor- morbid reason. You had a very visceral reaction when you heard that. I was watching you and you were like, Yeah. Oh, I can't, I should describe that because all I did was just imitate you. But your eyes kind of widened. You were like, It looked like horrified, yeah. but at the same time, you were into it. 
Yeah, it could be another good movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, rain I definitely want to Axe Rain. Yes, I mean, if we had the zombie thing going on, and then we just had some some Axe, axe rain. rain. Yeah, and we just all head inside, and yeah. then they would be outside. You know who we could get to sponsor that movie? Axe Body Wash. Yes. Mm-hmm. Good business idea. Yes. Well, something. Something. All right. So you're going with raining axes. Let's see what uh, Miller had. I like um, Shoemaker's Apprentices. Yeah, it's because that's just funny. Now, of course, I have to go with the Greek answer because Greeks are always right about everything. Yeah, I think he, I, I don't know. I agree with him on that, though. Yeah. So, okay, let's let Miller sign off. That was it. You did very well, 100%. Thank you. I'll stamp your card. Gold stars? Uh, yes, that's, let's do that. Okay. Well, that's it for me. This has been fun, but I don't believe that any of these are actually factual, so... I will be researching them tonight, and I will then write a hit piece on this show, which will be uploaded to my YouTube channel. Thank, thanks, Miller. Yes, thank you. Ugh, what would we do piece. without you? Uh, it's raining, Miller John. Hallelujah. Uh, I hope we all learned something today. I know I did. Did yes, you learn anything? That gators can come down with storms. Gators can fly. You can catch Miller and his storytelling partner Davis on their YouTube channel, The To Be Decided. Just go to youtube.com slash the to be decided. Miller does a lot of music and vinyl reviews, and Davis tells a lot of tall tales. Wonderful. And that's also my son, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, so that's why he was he can get away with being so sarcastic about my show. That makes so much sense now. <laughs> you know, the Greek thing specifically. Yes. So we're out of time. Oh. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you having that kind of reaction. Yeah, it's sad. Sometimes people don't. No, it went by too fast. Yeah, it did. So let's talk about you. Uh, macrame, Victoria Walsh, Macrame Mama, macramemama.com, M-O-M-M-A. Mm-hmm. So it's the main place. Would you say that's the main place for people to find out information on what's going on and everything? I think that's the easiest place to find the workshops and upcoming events. I do have some things that are that are not on there yet that are coming up that are pretty exciting. But um, Instagram also just to see pictures from our latest workshops or just commissions that I'm working on or inspirational pieces. Cool. Very good. And that's at Macrame Mama, also Facebook. You could just search for Macrame Mama. So it was good that you got all that stuff uh, lined up. So July 7th, which is this Saturday, you've got the Young Children's Hike and Weave at Lou Gardens. Yes, that's ages four and up which is great. Parents are wanting to, they need to participate with that one, I think, because it's fun. And also the little kids, you know, they're yeah, still the learning how to weave their fingers listen. through. Yeah. And yeah, I think the parents end up having more fun than the kids, but that's a really cute event. And then later on the afternoon, we have an adult plant hanger workshop. At the, the gardens, gardens as, as well. well. Yes, and each ticket includes admission to the garden. So if you haven't been, oh, that's a great time. So you go early... Check walk out. around yep. and then go back and uh, do a plant hanger. Yeah, find all their little hidden fairy doors mm. around the gardens. That's what they have going on right now. Mm. Yes. Fairy doors. Magical creatures. Uh, there is a wall hanging and macrame tree wrapping workshop at the Art and History Museum of Maitland, and that's on July 21st. So that's uh, two weeks from this Saturday. Yes, that one is probably my favorite workshop coming up. So we will make a wall hanging in the classroom the beginning half it is a five-hour workshop and then we will break for a picnic if the weather allows for it or eat in the classroom and then we are going outside and wrapping the trees in the fields behind the studio behind the studio in the lake of the art and history museum at Maitland with some yellow cord um, you know the tie yellow ribbon Mm -hmm. or the old oak tree 
um, to try to bring awareness to some homeless veterans in the area. And on November 11th, the Art and History Museum will be having a gallery of veteran art going on called Soldier's Home, so it will all tie together then. Um, and that will be the launching point for a citywide fiber bomb that we are going to try to do, fiber bomb meaning we are going to find different spaces around town and neighborhoods that will let us wrap trees and light poles with these yellow cords. Um, again, just sparking a conversation. Awareness, yeah. mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Um, let me ask you before I get to the tree wrapping, the wall hanging, is that a big collaborative piece or is that each person is doing their own wall hanging? Each person gets to do their own so they have something oh, okay. to take home. Very and nice. Enjoy and learn the, the knots and the patterns. Yeah. So when we go outside, they know what they're doing on the trees. Okay, so it's like a little practice thing, but you get to also take it home, and then you get to kind of apply what you just learned on doing the tree wraps. Exactly. That's awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. Then you're back at another museum, again, just talking about as a community artist, Mm -hmm. which is how you described yourself earlier, uh, working with a lot of community organizations and at a lot of different, and you do other places too, but you know some of the ones coming up just this month you're going to be at the Modernism Museum of Mount Dora on July 28th, and that's for a plant hanger workshop. Yes. That's kind of nice because it's a little bit out of town. From what I understand, it's a great venue. I really want to go out there and check out their David Bowie exhibit. Yes. Um, so is that something you can do? You go to the workshop and then you can go to the museum, kind of like at the uh, uh, Lou Gardens? Exactly. Yes, definitely check out that museum. It's amazing. And then also Mount Dora itself is amazing. Sure. So you can just step outside and window shop and grab some lunch and make a whole day of it. It is a little bit of a drive, but definitely not too far away. And it feels like small town, you know, um, Americana life out there. And the Modernism Museum is something that's very unique. I haven't seen anything like it. I'm very excited for that event. Very cool. Is that your first event out there? It is. All right. And then uh, one thing that you have ongoing over at the Art and uh, History Museum of Maitland is the Indigo Waves Community Art Installation. Yes, I'm a volunteer there. It is led by the lead artist, Tori Tep. He's an eco-urban land artist, so he does all things earth and dirt and planting and fiber arts. And we have a community weaving loom that is mounted on the back of a a framed latticework that has ivy and plants growing onto it. Mm -hmm. So we weave these large panels with torn up clothing, mostly denim, um, hence the the blue for the the indigo. And then we use those panels on the back of the latticework for the ivy to grow onto and have just something to grasp on. But we've also used that site to teach the community how to weave. Last last month we taught 130 second graders. Um, Last Friday we taught 30 kindergarteners how to weave on that site. We've had many events just with the museum for like their summer camp days on the weekends for people to come out and just weave. But we also have it open to the public anytime that you want to walk up. We always have strips to the side of the loom and you can just bring your family and hang out. We have a bench installed on the installation Mm -hmm. so you can sit, bring a picnic, add to the piece. And then once the piece gets done, we, we put it back up and patchwork it on to the whole lattice. Well, what I love about this a couple of things, but the idea that it's this whole little ecosystem that you're building there mm-hmm. um, as well, or that you and the other volunteers and the artists are building out there. And so talk a little bit about the uh, the garden oh, as yeah. well. So, well, there is a sound garden that's out there that's beautiful. That's an installation that was built previously also by Tori Tep. So there are 
carrots and kale and cabbage and sweet potatoes and tomatoes growing in there with a sunken in garden that you can sit into, um, like a little booth, like a round booth. And we have some class time speaking with the children in that garden, but we will also be planting indigo plots out in front of the main loom installation. And that's really exciting. We'll be able to offer fermenting courses and teach people how to make blue dye pigments from the indigo plants, which is a really old traditional way of mm-hmm. dyeing fabrics. And we have some little sprouts that have made their way out of the dirt and we can't wait to till the earth and, and get that going. Well, I love the idea of learning about the art history um, or the history of art through blue, right? Because mm-hmm. that was one of the rarest colors. That's why you rarely see it in, um, from a production standpoint, it was really expensive. Uh, and so it's really interesting to think that, okay, now we're going to learn how to actually make it, how to, how to cultivate it and everything else. Right. And right. so that's really neat. It is. And it, the fermenting process is very unique mm-hmm. and that should be very stinky and fun. Stinky and fun. That's what they called me in high school. Um, well, thank you for that. I don't know how you have time to do anything, Victoria, because that sounds like a lot. So, uh, when you take this bad business idea that we have, uh, had, um, and obviously take it to market, um, I'm going to be really impressed thank you. because you have so many other things going on and you have to add that to your list. The, the cobbler and jerky idea or the, well, I think, okay, so let's do food truck as well as, uh, the shock ping. Okay. So you're going to have that as well. So I'll have this episode up. This is episode 99, by the way. Thank you for being part of episode 99 Yeah. of To a Certain Degree. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you. Next week, I have Anthony Biggie Bencomo. He does the Deli Fresh Threads mm-hmm. shirts. And then the week after, Jose Hanau of the Hanau Center over um, College Park. Yeah, yeah. Edgewater area. Um, and so he'll be there the week after. So that's it. Awesome. I'll release you back out into the world. All right. Go tie some knots. Okay. Okay. Uh, we'll listen to Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians. New Bohemians with Me by the Sea on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You've been listening to a certain degree. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're the nicest. Oh, you're just, right. Just stop. Okay. Okay. And that's the show. Thanks for listening to a certain degree. Follow us on the Instagram. Just search for To a Certain Degree. And you should also search for some of our sister sites. Uh, you could check out at Card and Fast and at Brand Knuckles. Those are former bad business ideas that have launched and are out there in the world. You can also get everything you need to know about the show and the people on the show at toacertaindegree.com. That's T-O-A certaindegree.com. If you like what you heard, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you. I would like to hear from you. I wouldn't mind hearing from you. Give me a call. 